0: Now through the neutral zone comes Connor McDavid, double team, got it back, Chris shot,
1: score, what a beautiful move, deep backhand, went back to the forehand, and welcome back Connor, his sixth goal of the season is a
2: work of art. Riley, he's going to keep it, he hits the five, hey
1: Edmonton, that's your quarterback, Mike Riley to the end zone, touchdown Eskimo, ladies and gentlemen. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your
0: favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your
1: Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet.
2: Let's rock and roll, everybody. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, how about those Edmonton Oil Kings? Back home, getting ready to go tomorrow night against the Brandon Wheat Kings. One of the heroes of the series so far is Oil Kings goaltender, Peyton Lee he will join us tonight memories of Rexall place the Oilers will no longer play there after next Wednesday a lot of stories to get to over the next week Trent Evans Senior Manager of Sales at Northlands will join us tonight. Very special connection to our old barn. We'll talk a little bit about the Bentley Generals who have advanced to the Allen Cup. Congratulations to them for winning the Chinook League. We'll keep you updated on the NHL tonight. The Oilers did not practice today. Getting a day off. The uh, craziness of March is now over. And now they don't play again until... Saturday, and I uh, I use this in no way as an excuse, but uh, it is worth mentioning. It's certainly an odd schedule for the Edmonton Oilers. They play April second, sixth, and 9th. They're going to play three games where during this run, most teams will be playing six or seven. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in this evening. Great to have you along for the ride. We have a lot to talk about. We'll get into uh, some of the Nail Yakupov stuff, and and more so the the impact that it's going to have on this roster. And you know there will be more changes with this team. Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan, I think, as they've uh, expressed several times throughout the year, not happy with several elements of the roster. I I think whether this trade request would have become public or not, uh, I think it was uh, pretty much a given that Neil Yakupov was not going to be back with the Oilers next season. What's going to happen down the right wing? I want to talk about that as we move along because there's not a lot there, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you have Jordan Everly there right now. Is he going to be here next year? Is Leon Dreisaitl possibly going to play on the right wing? I mean, Pacorinan is not is not a top six guy. Anyway, we will get into that. But but I want to start off the show, and I, I just, first of all, want to explain my, my approach a little bit here, because a lot of times I, I am reluctant to spend too much time talking about officiating because if there's one thing i've learned by being a sports fan and around other sports fan and sports people in general during my life so far it's that the team that loses is more likely to complain about the officiating or at least more likely to complain about it for a long period of time i'm aware of the team that i spend most of my time covering and i'm certainly aware of how bad they've been especially for the last six years Seven years, really. Ten out of the playoffs, but you know, really bad for for the last seven. So I I know. In in, I just want to state this off the top. Hopefully it's it's obvious, but I do want to state it. In no way do I attribute the Oilers' struggles or the loss last night to mistakes by the officials. But I do think when you're doing a talk show. There are times when the officials make such an egregious error or their impact on the game is so profound that you would be neglecting important areas of the game if it wasn't addressed. And that's what I, have, has, that's what I feel has happened over the last two games, beginning with the goaltender interference call in Los Angeles, which is, I, I don't know what, even what word to use, L- ludicrous that that goal stood, you know, that they said LB didn't get up quickly enough didn't try to get up quickly enough well that shouldn't be the question the question should be is why was he knocked down to the ice and then the fact that that was reviewed and then still call the goal just puts the nhl in such a bad light like it, it just looks like a joke of a league that they've instituted video review that that then they they look at and and just just basically ignore the evidence and it's not, it, that, that stuff hasn't just happened in Oilers games. There's been a lot of inconsistency with the video review and the goalie interference throughout the year. Exhibit A. Now, last night, uh, again, a couple of situations that the wrong calls were made at a, at a key point in the game. It's dry, subtle. He'll one-hand it in from center ice. Maroon following up on the play, and he blasted. That's the penalty. And... Josh Manson shaking up. Maroon's frustrated. Well, and, and Maroon had every right to be frustrated because it, it looked fine to me. I, and I got to say this. I, when I first... Here's how I process the play. And I, I'm sitting up in the press box at this point. You see Marine, Maroon going in there. And this all goes through your head relatively quickly, obviously. All right. Looks like he's in a position to hit him. All right. That was a collision. It was a loud collision. And in the split second, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think that was from behind. And I don't think if he contacted him, he contacted him very hard. I looked, I glanced over at the referee, which I was far away, so I didn't have to move my eyeline very far. Glanced over at the referee, and I was like, oh, okay, good. He's not calling it. I start to turn my attention back to where the puck is, and I see his arm shoot up. And I, I don't know if he thought, well, it's loud. I guess I better call a penalty. I, I mean, he was unable to discern what actually happened in that moment.
3: Terrible call. Sorry for, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm a big guy. I play heavy. I mean, he's already on his way down. I mean, what am I doing? I'm just, I mean, I guess I out-muscled him. So, I mean, I. You, you so, such a good game going. And then five minutes left and we have a momentum going and, it's just so inconsistent, I think.
2: So here's here's the ironic thing. The Oilers, who have, as, as an organization, and you as a fan base, for years have been crying out to add size to this lineup. And there aren't a lot of bigger guys in terms of size in the National Hockey League. Patrick Maroon gets penalized for being the bigger guy. That's basically what happened there. He was stronger than the other guy. The other guy lost his balance. Maroon had a little bit of contact, and and he gets a penalty. Isn't that ironic? The one thing the Oilers have wanted and lacked in that case, cost them through a guy that, that they've added to bring it to the lineup. I, I did think it was interesting, some of the discussion uh, after the game, Rob and I had it on overtime open line, and Brown and Stoffer said this right after the game.
1: The column Maroon. Uh, At at real-time speed, look like a penalty upon further review.
0: Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought, everyone's booing I'm like, hey, seriously, the guy went in, he did the splits, head hit the boards. I mean, that's a simple call. But then I watched the replay, and Maroon did a very good job of getting his shoulder around to the shoulder uh, of the the Anaheim defenseman, and I can see why he was upset afterwards. So that, that shouldn't have been a call. I can understand the ref missing that one simply because of the way the player went in the boards. All
2: right. So I guess Rob saw it initially that he thought it was a penalty. I, I, I did not. So so maybe that one's close, but that's in a, in a frustrating time of the game. And by the way, the phone lines are open seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. Got a few texts already, and I'll get to those in a few minutes. The the maroon call. Let, let me let me let me grant the benefit of the doubt and say it's debatable. That certainly on replay, it wasn't a clear cut penalty. But at full speed, maybe it looked like a penalty. Even if, even if I grant you that, there's no debate what happened with seven seconds left. A tie-up off the draw. Getsloff trying to slash it out of the zone. He'll try to soccer it out. The Oilers kept it in, but no. How did that? How was that? They
0: blew the, They, they blew, blew it.
1: They blew the call. Unbelievable. That was Un- not outside the zone. They blew the call. And when they, sh- when they show this on the big screen, the folks are going to snap here. 7.2 to go. Ter-
2: Getsloff is going to say, well, I was held, but that puck did not clear the zone. I'd be the first to admit I if can- I got this wrong, but that doesn't leave the zone. That is brutal. All right, that's Stoffer and Michaels, and it was brutal. The puck didn't even make it to the blue line. The puck has to be all the way out. And then brought back in for it to be offside. It it didn't even touch the interior part of the blue line, the side of the blue line closer to the net. The linesman was anticipating the puck leaving the zone. It never did. He he blows it. By the way, I don't know who put that out that Photoshop last night. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. I don't know if you saw that. Somebody photoshopped the blue line where it went in at an angle and around the puck, and then so yeah, that's the only way it could have been offside if the blue line was 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 crooked in in that area. Mm -hmm. So. Here's here's one of my questions to you. I, I guess I guess a couple. What do we do about video replay? And would you feel better? Would it help the NHL? Would it help officials? Would it help you as fans deal with stuff? if on a close play or a play that fans perceive to have been botched by an official, would it help if the referee or linesman in charge of that call did a post-game interview with a reporter who then posted the audio or the transcript for everybody, and and then it was out there? And and I I think it would help, and and, and here's why. And, And I've already got some people disagreeing with me on on social media with actually some really good alternatives, interesting alternatives. If you're a a fan of whoever, the Oilers, Team X, whatever, doesn't matter what team, what sport, and you feel you've been absolutely jobbed, like you just got the massive short end of the stick on a call, and the referee comes out and explains it publicly publicly, and you're that mad, you're probably going to be just as mad whether you listen to the explanation or not. But it may have the positive impact that the ref may be able to say, you know what? Here's what I saw. Or here's how I interpreted that rule. Or the fans think I was applying this rule, but I was actually applying this rule. And maybe that's going to help a little bit that a few fans might go, Oh, okay, I appreciate that, that I'm getting that explanation, and I'm understanding what this individual, who is at the highest level of his or her sport, is is saw in that moment. I think that would be interesting, and I think it would have a positive effect. It wouldn't clean up the calls, and maybe sometimes it would only be like, you know what, I botched it, and I misread the play, or the linesman saying... I didn't expect the Oilers to hold it in. I didn't think McDavid was going to do what he do, and I blew the whistle quickly. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't make people feel better, but maybe just having that rapport and putting these guys out there a little bit, maybe that would help. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll get to some of your feedback there. Some uh, comments, uh, some thoughts on the Oilers' right wing slot moving forward as we move along as well. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Ooh, a little classic Duran Duran. A few to a kill. Roger Moore's last Bond movie. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. at 622. Thanks for tuning in tonight. All right, I want to catch up on some text messages here. The question I put out there, one of them anyway, Would it have a positive impact if referees and or linesmen or pick the sport uh, were available to speak to the media and through the media, obviously, to the fans after games? Explain calls, clarify calls, maybe clarify a rule, all that kind of stuff. Uh, This texter says, if the Oilers made as few mistakes as the officials, they'd have more wins. they get their share of calls in their favor. Sure. I mean, again, as I started off at the beginning, if you missed it, The the referees are not why the Oilers have been a bad team and not why they've lost the last two games. But the calls were, in my mind, errors to the magnitude that they're worth discussing because they did affect the game. Uh, Chad says, not sure why the media is so scared to call out the refs. It's now the job for you to sign up for if you want to perform horribly and not get criticized. NFL refs are a joke. Bring back the old crew, Fraser, etc. They were accountable. These young guys are power tripping. Yeah, Chad. Well, I didn't really finish my thought. I mean, in my mind, like, I'm not. A, I'm not afraid to call out the refs. I'm not afraid to say maybe a ref making a mistake or 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 to or to debate a call. But I, I mean, and last night, I didn't really want to talk about the refs too much on the postgame show because we talked about them a lot. But every, pretty much every caller wanted to talk about it. So that's why Rob and I, after a game, will often talk about it and say, okay, that's our thought. That was this call. And we'll try to steer the show in another direction. And people didn't want to go the direction Rob and I were steering last night. So that's one of the reasons I avoid too much ref talk is because it's, it's the low-hanging fruit. Well, that should have been a trip at eight minutes of the second period, and then everybody lets complain about it. But in this situation, these were two vital calls, and three if you include the Kings game. Ty from St. Paul says, As a senior ref in my town and a parts guy at the local Ford store, if someone doesn't like my calls at the local Junior B game or in the midget game, we will get asked, why did you call that? I'm a coach at the Bantam level, and sometimes you just need an explanation. The biggest one I see is as a linesman, is when the linesman is waving off uh, waving off the offside call and then a call on the icing. But most people think he changed his call because of the wave off. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh just let it go. You and Stoffer make it sound like that call was the Oilers' season. You don't mention the stupid penalty that Maroon took. No, but I will mention the stupid text you just sent to the station because I specifically said it doesn't have anything to do with the entire season. It's worth debating as a topic for the sport in general. Uh, Brother Rob says, Hey, Reed, can you please tell me if there's any accountability or repercussions for refs if they aren't performing to NHL levels? If players are no good, they get sent down to the minors or bench. Thanks. That is from Brother Rob. Well, the repercussions are they don't get to work the playoffs. That, that would be what happened if they were uh, continually making mistakes. We got Derek on the line. Derek, thanks for calling.
1: Hey, Reed. How's it going? Doing wonderful. Right on. Hey, yeah, just about the refs and everybody jumping on. You know, just got to go back to the nursing and a few other things where everybody's harping on nurse and the ref was standing right there, did nothing. And if the guy was that vulnerable, he should have, you know, gotten away or stopped nurse or did whatever. And on the other hand, with when there's scrums and everything, is there no supplementary discipline for refs that are over aggressive in the way that they handle guys? Like when there's a scrum, they'll grab one guy, and the other guy or other two guys, they usually get a couple free shots in. So is there something they can do about that?
2: Well, see, like the, the refs are being reviewed. It, it just doesn't happen publicly, right? I, I mean, if, if if Yakupov gets his ice time reduced, we all know when we're watching the game and then we can confirm it when we see the time on ice after every period, right? With referees and linesmen, you basically see who gets the assignments in the playoffs. And yeah. the best guys get to go deep and the guys who are good or, but not, or not as good or who simply done, done a bad job, won't get to work very many, if any, games. That's the only way we can really know. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, exactly. it's, I, I, it's the 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 levels of of of. And I mean, there's they can't be fixed. I'm just saying, is, is there a way for the referees? To, should they should they talk after games? Would that would have it made you feel better, Derek, to, to have the linesman say after the game, I made a mistake on the call. I can't fix it, but I'm acknowledging. To everybody, it's a mistake. Or is it, or do you just have to live with the fact he apparently said, I made a mistake to the Oilers' bench?
1: Well, then they could just go back and say, well, you know, the game is fast, and, you know, we can't catch everything. But then there's other things that they supposedly catch that are totally bogus and phantom as well, right?
2: Derek, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. You bet. 780-496-0063. All right, I'll catch up on some text. So I want to segue into some of the Yakupov stuff. What happens for the Oilers' on Right Wing as we move along. Inside Sports on you
0: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins on 630
2: Chad. All right, I'll, I'll just read a few more texts on the uh, officiating. It's one of those topics. Like, some of you are really into it. You want to debate it. You want to solve it. Some people, like, just get really mad that I'm even bringing it up. Uh, so I always I always find that uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Shorty says, not working the playoffs is a pretty weak slap on the wrist since there's a very limited number of games in the end. I also hate when nobody can say boo about the Zebras without a fine. If the comment is reasonable, it should be allowed. If over the top, then sure, fine them. Uh, but they come off as weak-willed that they can't take criticism the way it currently is. That is from Shorty. Chad says, I wouldn't want to hear from the refs after the game. What I want is to see them using video review to actually get calls right. They have video review, but this year it hasn't improved uh, other than petty offsides, which actually brings the scoring down. The NFL uses video review, and they get about 90% of them right. That is from Chad. Candid Cal says... <laughs> Candid Cal says Howdy, read? I have a solution for the officiating. Let's bring in guys like Don Cherry, Mike Milberry, and Tiger Williams. At least they'll let the players play, LOL. Thanks. Have a good night. <laughs> that is from Candid Cal. Uh, all right. Yeah, a lot of good text here to six thirty-six thirty. I can't read all of them. Uh, for those of you who are uh, being humorous this evening, I do appreciate it. I do get get a chuckle to to myself about those. We'll uh, we'll move off uh, the ref stuff for now. If there's anything that really stands out on the text line, I'll I'll get to it uh, la- later on. If you make me if if you can make me laugh, there's a, more of a chance that I'll read it. Remember the night, Kellen. I don't know if you were working that night. We did um, we did the best the funniest way to call someone dumb. Yeah. Because there was, was it Randy Kilburn had a clip in a news story that, that you know, somebody was I like, so, as yeah. smart as a bottle of hairspray or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, this is a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could, if you, you could send in say your ref comments or the best, the best heckle for a ref, but it has to be clean. And it has to be something humorous, not just mean, humorous. Exactly. It's something I could read on the radio. Well, I mean, you could write something that has naughty words in it, if it's funny, but I'll, I'll be the only one laughing at yeah, it. Yeah, we can't obviously, read it on the radio for you can't obvious share reasons. It, share it publicly. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we could take out a billboard or something. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Inside Sports, presented by AMA. Be listening Saturday. The Oilers host the final battle of Alberta ever held at Rexall Place, Face-off show at 6.30. Puck drop at 8 AMA. Safety and savings for your family. Quickly want to get to the out-of-town scoreboard here tonight. Oh, by the way, Oil Kings game tomorrow. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Rexall Place against Brandon. Game 3. Oil Kings are up 2 nothing. goaltender Peyton Lee will be on the show in an hour. In half an hour, a very special announcement about the future of the Chorus Radio cluster here in Edmonton. We got iNews. We got Fresh. We got Kissen. We got Ched. Uh, a special announcement pertaining to our collection of stations here in Edmonton uh, going to be made right here on Inside Sports. You don't even know about it, do you, Cal? No, I'm down a I, I, I know about it. I've been charged <laughs> with delivering this tonight, so it's it's a privilege. Okay. The uh, Bruins and the Devils are tied 1-1, two and a half minutes left in the second period. The Sabres lead the Penguins 3-2 with six minutes left in the second frame. Toronto on the road and leading Florida 1-0 early in the second period. Leafs two back of the Oilers, two worst teams in the league. Blackhawks and Wild 1-1 in the first. Hurricanes up 1-0 on the Islanders after two. The Habs. Up 2-0 on Detroit after one. Still to come, Sharks and Canucks, Colorado in St. Louis, and the Predators play the Stars. Uh, I should read this here. Texter says, what is wrong with the downtown? All the main arteries leaving are clogged. I would imagine that's to do with the high-level bridge
0: yeah that's uh, that big accident on a high-level bridge uh if, if you're going on to a high-level bridge at all first of all try to avoid the area if possible to, but if you're stuck uh going to the approach of the high-level bridge you want to keep uh right but because can the left-hand hand written, are they letting people by on the right-hand side uh I've, I've, from what i was seeing on twitter they're letting people. yeah go. you might have
2: to try another bridge yeah exactly the south there's that, a nasty wreck up on there yes that's why there you go little uh, traffic news as well on Inside Sports. By the way, before we get to some of the uh, Yakupov and right wing talk, so uh, that, that's scuffle at the end of the game, it's because Patrick Maroon w- was, was kind of
3: naughty towards his former team. They do a thing in their locker room where they hang up the pucks, and I knew it would get under their skin, so I stole their puck and threw it in the trash. So... <laughs> 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 uh, that's why Stork came after me there, because he wanted the puck, but I wasn't going to give it to him. And then Perry asked for it, and I said, no way. So I threw it in the trash here. So we're going to have to find a new puck.
2: <laughs> All right, so Patrick Maroon, knowing his former team's tradition, goes and gets the puck and, and, and throws it out. Now, that's this is one of the things. I'm guessing you as Oilers fans listening probably love that. And if it happened against the Oilers, you would want to cause harm to the person on the other team that did that. But, hey, do you love having a guy like that on your team? I mean, is there anything about Patrick Maroon that you you haven't liked yet? That's probably the most obvious question of the night because he's 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 done a lot of things well. I, I did find his other uh, post-game comment interesting because he has been very blunt, played a terrible period, you know, back against San Jose, didn't have a good second period against the Kings. Uh, you know, disappeared for two periods after allowing an early goal against the Sharks back on March eighth. He's he said all that stuff last night after another loss for the Oilers. They finished seven and eight in the month uh, month of March. I asked Maroon what makes the Ducks such a tough opponent.
3: Their neutral zone's solid. Uh, it's really good. It's really hard to get through. They do a really good job of their neutral zone and. Um, they break out so clean, you know. There's a couple one and dones. you know. We, we chip it in, they break out clean. So, you know, that's what I noticed and just playing with them that. But I thought our team played really well tonight, though. I thought the effort was there. The, you know, they we only get twenty something shots. I mean, that's to a number one team in the league. I mean, if we we're on the right path and we continue to play like that, if we get that consistency to play like that every night, this is going to be a good hockey club moving forward.
2: Well. I think you certainly hope so. I, I will say this about Maroon. hes He's been a stand-up guy. He's been, uh, like I said, blunt in his uh, in his post-game interviews, which is refreshing. He's one of those guys, as a media person, and I'm guessing you as a fan want to hear from him, you want to talk to him after the game because you're going to be like, okay, this guy's probably going to tell it, tell it like it is. What did he actually think? Maybe he saw something that those of us who weren't involved in the action were able to perceive. And he's been able to do that. So he has ripped himself and his teammates on two or three occasions this year. He thought last year they were good. He gave a pretty reasonable explanation there of what makes the Ducks tough. And you know what? That has been an issue for the Oilers this season. Um, As much as we talk about what they do in the attacking zone and, and some of the issues they have and are they too much on the perimeter and all that kind of stuff, they... They often have trouble advancing cleanly through the neutral zone against teams that are intent and committed to clogging up that area of the ice. So, and I, I think the Ducks do, as much as you say, well, the Ducks are a good defensive team, good in their own end, I think that starts in the neutral zone. By, by the time the puck gets into the Ducks' end, the attacking team is already at a bit of a disadvantage because they haven't been able to move fluidly through the center ice. And I, I will say this about the Ducks. I mean, the, did the Oilers have scoring chances last night? Yeah, sure they did. They might have had more grade-A scoring chances than the Ducks. Um, but you really got to earn those chances against the Ducks because they don't hand you anything. And the two goals the Ducks scored, the Oilers handed them the scoring chances. And look, it was Adam Clendenning. We know the situation. He's not in on the Oilers. He's not playing regularly, if not for the injuries. I mean, he's a guy with limited abilities. He's, he's trying out there. But, I mean, he made he made bad mistakes. He made bad mistakes. And the Ducks pounced on him. Can you remember a real huge mistake by the Ducks that led to an Oilers scoring chance? I mean, look, the, you can get a scoring chance against the Ducks, but you've got to make three, four, five, six, seven good passes in a row. you got to have an extended cycle where you keep the puck alive and you win puck battles. And, it, and it's hard to do it for that length of time. All right. 644. Kellen, let's do the break now. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, we'll talk just a little bit about Yakupov because let's face it, we've talked a lot about this player this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at the point where it's going to be unfathomable pretty much if he's an Oiler next season. What happens down the right side, especially if Jordan Eberle also gets moved in the offseason? I'll give my thoughts on that. I'll tell you about a couple of free agents out there that are interesting. You can chime in as well. 780-496-0063 Inside Sports on Chad.
0: This is Oscar Clefbrom from your Edmonton Euler, and you're listening to The Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630
2: Chad. Alright. Also just keeping an eye on that traffic situation. Zach says there's a, an accident on the James McDonald Bridge making it one lane, stay to the left. That is from Zach. So apparently we still got the clog up, or yeah. the, the high-level bridge isn't usable, is it? is it? I don't think it's passable. But, I've, I'm not sure. And we'll then the James McDonald also giving you trouble oh trying boy. to get out of downtown. So you got to, what, go down and use the Dawson Bridge or yep. go over and use the Grote Bridge?
0: Or just leave the car in the parking lot and take the LRT oh, just home. Just
2: stay downtown tonight.
0: There you go. That too. There's tons of places downtown you can go for dinner and there's a movie yeah, theater and you, you, you name
2: can, it. Yeah, and you can, hey, we can go meet people for nachos after the show, Kellan Kennedy. Just people can tweet us where they're going to be around 9.30. Exactly. They, they can buy us some nachos.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Love me some nachos. Uh, all right, thanks for tuning in, <laughs> 780. By the way, i, I got to congratulate you, buddy. Okay. Uh, you've lost a considerable battle win. Oh, thank you, so good yes. good for you.
0: Yeah. Good, uh, good for you. So I start, just quickly, I started uh, January 2015, just wanted to get a little bit better shape and that stuff, and since that time, I'm down 27 pounds from January of 2015, so. So uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have a goal when you set out? Not really, no. No, just wanted to get into the, just... My my goal was to not get winded going up the stairs here at work.
2: Uh, well, and we don't and have a lot of stairs. And now I'm not stairs. winded
0: going up the stairs at work. So that's good.
2: Yeah. So you've lost 27 pounds in 15 months. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Well, and see that's the thing is you can't you can't rush it. Yeah. No. I mean it for most people if they if they are out of weight that they're a little uncomfortable with, it mm-hmm. probably took a while for them to reach it. Didn't happen in a month. Yeah. So if you're going to go the other way, yeah. when we had it at at uh, and around New Year's, we had somebody on from World Health. Yes. I can't remember the young lady's name, but, you know, I said, what if you wanted to lose 20 pounds starting January 1st? What's a reasonable goal? And she said Canada Day. Mm-hmm. Right? So about a pound a week yeah. for half the year. Yeah. Right? So, but I mean, everybody can go at your own yeah. right pace. But you can do it. Yeah. It's just not a steady noticeable I lose this much every few days and then all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, I mean,
0: gonna be patient. I mean my big goal was just to, you know, eat healthier and uh, you know, just feel better about myself. That's it. That was my big goal. So you know, and I've achieved it and I actually like it. It's 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 it's
2: becoming a hobby of mine, so it's pretty cool. Right on. All yeah. right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ah, here we go. Uh what is this? Totally off topic. If your cohort is heading to Dallas for WrestleMania, tell them to have a safe trip. We leave tomorrow morning. Our daughter chose it over Disney. What a good girl. Enjoying the show tonight. Uh, you're not going to WrestleMania. Uh, I am not, but. It is Brendan Ulrich yeah. from Oilers Now, the producer of Oilers Now, who is the Ched personality going to WrestleMania. And actually, uh, Brian Hall's wrestling for the Intercontinental Belt.
0: Yes. Late edition. And now it's now an eight man ladder match, not a seven man. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Same deal as last year. Same same type of match. So. Well,
2: you would know more than me. All right. What did I say we were actually going to talk about? Oh, yeah. The, the Edmonton Oilers right-wing uh, situation. So th- th- this interests me um, because, look, Yaks is going to be gone. I-, I guess the question is, what do you expect to, to get for him? I think, unfortunately, the answer is probably not going to be very much. I, I know... Uh, well, somebody texted Bob today and said, could, "You know, what about Kirby Reichel out of, out of Columbus?" I mean, yeah, I guess you could get a young, youngish player or or maybe a prospect. I, mean, I don't think you're going to get a first round pick, unfortunately, for for a guy who was first overall in 2012. Could you maybe squeeze a second rounder out of somebody? Yeah, possibly, possibly. But I, I, that's just the reality. Of of what it's been like with with Yakupov, he hasn't played well enough to be considered a uh, you know a catch for another team in the National Hockey League. I have some. Well, well, first of all, if 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 we know Yak's not going to be here, does that does that mean that it's less likely that that Everly could be moved? I mean, you got Cassian down the right side, assuming that he is resi- re-signed... You got Packer Rinnan, who, and here's the thing about a lot of Oilers—the guy, like they—they they try hard, but what do they accomplish? There, there's a lot of guys on the Oilers where you say, "Well, he's okay." Well, okay doesn't cut it. Let let's be honest. I mean, we we can't continually keep lowering the expectations for this team, where you say, "Oh, he's okay." Yeah, keep him around. He's okay. Like you can't just. I mean, they like I've said before, they can't get any worse. So you can't be afraid of getting rid of the guys that are okay. And that's part of the reason that, that I get a little upset when Korpakovski gets criticized. Like I realize Korpakovsky has his drawbacks. He's not, a, he's not a great NHL player. But I mean he's he's been, you know, I I'm not trying to dump on this guy, but he's better than Rob Klinkhammer. He's better than Luke Gazdick. You know, so I, I, think, I think just to sit here and say, well, Pakka okay, not good enough. Not good enough. I mean, he can contribute. Doesn't happen consistently. He doesn't and he doesn't get his name on the score sheet enough. So say you have Packer in and say they keep Cassian, Yak's gone. Does that mean you keep Everly and you're looking for one right winger, or does that mean Yak and Everly could be gone and Leon is a right winger and you're looking for a third line center and one and one right winger? I mean and this is on top of whatever problems they're going to have to solve on defense. And they they need a couple of defensemen. Don't get me wrong, we all know that. Um, so, does Cassian come back? Do they try or do they try to find maybe a better, more consistent version of Cassian? I'm really on the fence about keeping Cassian. The advantage for him is, given what he's gone through, you can you can likely sign him for one year and not a boatload of money, right? So again, it it could be a low risk maneuver. Uh, just just some names out there. Unrestricted free agent, right wingers. Okay? Just just three guys. I looked at the list. Now, maybe these guys re-sign with their current teams. Uh, Louis Erickson. He will be 31 when the season starts. He's 6'2", 180. He has 57 points so far this year. Had 47 last year. His salary this season, $4.25 million. Troy Brower will be 31 when the season starts. He's 6'3", 213. He's pretty much 30 to 40 points a season. He's making 3.667 million this year. And Kyle Ocposo from the Islanders will be 28 for next season. 6 feet, 217, 51 points last year, 57 so far this year, 2.80 million. Clearly he's going to be looking for a raise. Now, if if Everly's traded, I guess it depends how much you're paying the defenseman that would hypothetically come back, but you're going to have a little more cap room with the, you know, the Ferences and the Niketans of the world off the books. So could you go after a right winger like that, use Everly for a defenseman, have Dry on the right wing, and have Cassian and Pacharinen as your other right winger? I still don't know if that's a, a great collection of right-wingers. I, I, I don't know if overall that would be an upgrade. You'd, you'd have different elements in there, and you'd have the flexibility with Leon, but that, that I mean, this, this is the thing I've been saying throughout most of the year, and earlier in the year I was saying, well, the Oilers don't have a third line, and I still kind of feel that way, not as much as I used to, I mean, and poorly, Nugent Hopkins are hurt, but, but as as much as they got to get better defense, I'm really curious to see what happens up front. Because this team still doesn't score enough. And yes, defensemen that can move the puck better will help, but they don't forecheck enough, and they don't sustain enough pressure, and they don't have enough guys who can barge that puck into the net. Special announcement concerning Chorus Radio when we get back.